tick off and do all that kind of stuff. Okay, so we're continuing our All In series. This week, I'm looking at how we are all, we are attenders. Now, this message has weighed on my heart all week because I don't want to stand on a platform and tell people they have to be here every single Sunday and wave my finger at people. That is not the way that I want this message to come across today. I want to look at the benefits of what happens when we gather together. And I agree with what Stuart said. There's nothing more beautiful than a gathering of people with their eyes fixed on Jesus who are all in. I love it. And I wrote about it this week. I spend so much of my time thinking about church. Why we do it? Should we do it? Should we change this? Should we do that? And the thing that I conclude again and again and again is that there is nothing like this. There is nothing like the local church, like a body of believers gathered together, ready to take them their eyes off themselves and to fix their eyes on Jesus. A group of people gathered together so that when they go out and they scatter, that the world is different. Their workplaces are different. Their classrooms are different. The school gates are different. The place that they sit at at their computers and crunch numbers is different. Whatever you do in the week, I believe it should be better off because we've gathered together. We've allowed the breath of God to come on, to to hover over us. We've heard the truths. We've declared truths about who he is. And I believe that's the fuel that goes and sends us off. So when we talk about gathering, we've got to remember the context of scattering. We're not gathering for gathering's sake. God help us if we ever just gather as a holy huddle, exclusive, keeping everybody else out, and we just keep it to ourselves. God help us from that. We gather so we scatter. So this isn't a wag your finger, take registers, you must be here every single week kind of talk. This is a how good is it, how pleasant is it where God's people dwell together. And the context that we're looking at is Hebrews 10. Um, is there a light on here? Actually, don't worry, I'll use my, um, I'll use my torch. Um, okay, so it's Hebrews 10. And the writer of Hebrews, which is up for debate who that was, um, but the writer of Hebrews is talking about the importance of people gathering together. There was quite a lot of mess and faction and um, bad decisions going on. And some of that was because people had neglected to meet together. I don't know about you, but there's something about the gathered church that gives me perspective. It helps me kind of realign myself. Do I want to come to church every Sunday? I'm looking at Dan nervously while I disclose this information. Do I want to come to church every Sunday? No, actually. Do I, like, like Jeff um, Lucas would say, do I jump out of bed with a tambourine singing Kumbaya and Hallelujah and I cannot wait to get to church? No, because some Sundays I wake up at quarter to six and I've got a three-year-old right in my face going, do you want to play cards with me? And I'm like, oh no, and I want to get back under the covers while the day goes on by. So I want to be really honest with you, but coming to church um, is part of a habit it's part of a discipline. It's part of my discipleship walk. So that's also my kind of arm around the shoulder to you. If you feel like you don't want to come every Sunday, don't worry. Neither do I. But it's also my kick up the bum to you because we all sometimes need an arm around the shoulder and a kick up the bum. Does that mean we shouldn't attend every Sunday? No, actually. Sometimes there's so much beauty in, in discipleship, in just turning up, in turning up on a Sunday, because you know, sometimes even those Sundays where I don't necessarily want to get myself out of bed or get two children ready, I come here and God lifts my perspective. He reminds me that it isn't just about me, 
that it's not just about my way of doing things. It's about something much bigger, something about God building his kingdom, and he's using this brilliant ragtag bunch of us to do it. So Hebrews 10, I'm going to read it from the message translation, and it says this. So let's do it. This is talking about the body of believers. So let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. That's God. He always keeps his word to us. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging and loving and helping each other out, not avoiding meeting and worshipping together, as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. The context of this verse is that let's not give up meeting together. Let's not get into habits where we make excuses and we pull the duvet back over our covers, uh, the covers back over our head and we get used to doing it our own way. Let's not give up meeting together. And just throughout the um, following minutes of this message, there's just three people, three brilliant people in this location that can come and give a couple of minutes on why meeting together, why the gathered church on a Sunday has been a key part of their discipleship journey. So we know that church isn't just a gathering on a Sunday. We talk about that all the time, don't we? It's much broader than that. Dan spoke about it last week. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's the church. The church is a body of believers. But there is something so powerful about the Sunday gathering. The Sunday is like the tent pegs that anchor the tent we're building. The tent we're building, we're building according to Isaiah 54. Make the tent you live in larger. Think about it in the context of the church. Make the tent you're living larger. Lengthen its ropes and strengthen the pegs. You will extend your boundaries on all sides. Your people will get back the land and the other nations that the other nations now occupy. Cities now deserted will be filled with people. That's a prophecy, a word that we've had over this church. Make the tent larger. And the Sunday gatherings are like the tent pegs that ground that tent into the floor, the t- into the ground. The tent encompasses everything we do, everything that we're wanting to do. Dan talked about 100 ministries flowing out of this church, going to help the poor, to help the needy, to help the children, the child that's struggling. Thursday, our revive prayer. I'd really encourage you to come along to that if you're able to. Philip just brought this great word, this kind of great burden for people, particularly children in our community. And we just thought as a group of people praying, how good would it be that when kids leave school, if they're being bullied or they don't know that going home for them isn't a positive thing, that they think, I know I could go to a live church. I can go into that tent. That's why we want a building, to be able to have a place that people can come anytime, anywhere. But the Sunday gatherings are like the tent pegs, the things that ground it into the floor, ground it into the truth, ground it in his word, ground it in the gathered church so we can then go and be the scattered church. We're building a tent, a tabernacle, if you will. But that tent needs anchoring down. And that's what Sundays are about. The gathering happens, so the scattering happens. Tenuous link here whilst we're talking about gathering. Women, please book your tickets so I can sleep through the night. Otherwise, I start doing this thing where I wake up at 3 a.m. panicking that it's just going to be me and about 18 people in a massive room. Please, can you book your tickets? If finance is an issue, let me know. Anyway, that's a bit of a tenuous link. So we've got three points as to why we are attenders. 
one first point, and after this point, I'm going to ask Ben to come up. So point one, we are attenders because God commands it. We see that in verse 25 of, the, of what we're looking at in Hebrews 10, verse 25, because God commands it. Now, that doesn't always land that well in a post-postmodern culture. And I don't want to stand here, like I said at the beginning, and shake my finger and wag my finger. But one thing we can hopefully agree on is that God knows best. Once you kind of get that principle set in your life, it really helps. Once you kind of decide, okay, God knows best, it really helps with the rest of your life. And I know personally, if I wasn't planted in a local church, I would have drifted off here, there, and everywhere. I know that I would have done. And I know that I would not have stepped into all that God has for me. I'm just not very good at sticking with things. By nature, I'm a bit creative, a bit flighty. I'm not great at sticking with things. Unlike Dan, if he says he's going to be there at 7 p.m., he'll be there at 6.59, ready, waiting. He's good at sticking with things. He's great at routine. He does things again and again. I'm just not really like that in my character. I'm a bit flighty. I'm a bit here. I'm a, I'm a bit there. And then I was just thinking about um, my childhood, that I got through piano lessons, brownies, girl guides. I did get asked to leave brownies, actually, but that's another, that's another message. Genuinely true. Um, brownies, girl guides, um, ballet, gymnastics, flute lessons. I never really did DV because it was on a Friday night and I had other plans as a 15-year-old that involved diamond white and cheap perfume, if you were of that era. Um, it's before I knew Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. Impulse, yeah. Oh, no, mine was exclamation. Make a statement without saying a word. If anybody remembers that particular perfume. But anyway, but, um, and now I find myself at 37. And after doing all of those things and being a bit flighty with them, I can kind of play the snowman on the piano. I can't remember the um, brownies guide, the girl guides, whatever it is. Brownies should do their best, all that kind of uh, stuff. I can't remember that. I had a flute and I lost it. Actually, it was my mum's flute and she was really annoyed at me. Um, I never really did much with girl, Girls Brigade. I want to do so much better in my spiritual journey than I do in my extracurricular activity journey. I'm fine doing all these different things and having a record of achievement full of random sporadic certificates from things that I tried for two weeks. Um, but I want to do better. And in order to do better, I need to be anchored in the local church. I need the, the tent pegs to go deep. And that requires a discipline of coming along on Sundays of being part of the body of Christ and remembering that in our individualistic society that it is not all about me. Okay, Ben, would you like to come up? Just a couple of minutes from Ben on how Sunday's gathering has been beneficial for you. So when I was thinking about this, um, I, I grew up in church actually. I, I had the fortunate um, upbringing where my mum and dad were heavily involved in church um, and I enjoyed it. Um, and I had a period probably when I was 10 to 18 where I played a lot of football and that, that took over Sunday. And, um, but I, I stayed connected within the church family because I knew deep down as a young person that there was, there was value in it. And I think when Joe asked me to think about what that value was, um, the one thing that I kept landing on was, um, Joe's mentioned it a few times actually, but it's a place where we take our eyes off ourselves and we fix them on our Heavenly Father, or we fix them on other people. Um, now, when I was a, a kid, my mum always used to say to me, the world does not revolve around you, Benjamin. Um, and I always used to think, it kind of does though, doesn't it, mum? Because wherever I go, I'm there. Whatever I'm doing, I'm there. So it kind of does revolve around me a little bit. 
But as I matured, I, I learned that what she was trying to do was for me to take my eyes off myself and, and place them on other people. And do you know what? We live in a society, don't we, where the world is telling us to do the opposite of what the church is telling us to do. I think it's actually a tactic of the enemy to go, look at yourself, get things the way that you want them to be. Get it right. You don't have to do that if you don't want to do that. Um, Do it your way. And when you do that, you become insular and your world becomes the way that you want it to be, which isn't necessarily a good thing. When you come to church and you try and do the opposite of that and you take your eyes off yourself, you, you fix it on God in heaven or you place it on somebody else. You have a conversation with somebody else and ask some questions about what's going on in their lives. All of a sudden, your eyes are lifted and it feels like you grow as a person, you grow in your relationship with God and you become more valuable to what Jesus wants to do in your life. So is that all right, Joe? Great. Amen. That's really good. I love that. The world does not evolve around us. I love what a philosophical child you were. That Actually, yes, it does, which there's some truth in that. Um, Anyway, uh, I think there's something about flipping the way we think about things. If we think God wants so much from me, he wants my time, he wants my service, he wants my talent, he wants me to go to a connect group, he wants me to do this, he wants me to be there on a Sunday, he wants so much from me, then we end up feeling depleted. It's exhausting. If we can change our mindset to God wants so much for me, it then changes the way we engage with, the thi- with, with these things that are available to us. Rather than think that they're demands on our time, things that we have to go to, I then, uh, there's just a power in God wants so much for me. He wants so much for me that he wants me to be rooted in a group of people, that he wants the tent pegs of my life to be knocked deeply into the ground so I've got a firm foundation. He wants me to realize that I'm a disciple, not a consumer. Going through life thinking that we're a consumer isn't good for us. If we want to be a consumer, we go to Starbucks. We tell them what drink we want, what topping we want, what size we want, and then they write it in a cup with our name on it. That's not how the church works. If we do that, we just breed consumers. We're a disciple. God doesn't want so much from us, our money, our time, our treasure, our talent. He wants so much for us. So when we begin to become all in, we then begin to step into what God has for us. Like I I said, I think if I wasn't grounded in the local church, I would just not have stepped into what God would have desired and planned for me. So we need to change our thinking. So number one, God commands it. Number two, looks at verse 24 in Hebrews 10. We attend because we all need accountability. We all need some kind of accountability. Again, this isn't a really popular thing to say in a post-postmodern world to millennials and Generation X and all of that. It's actually really kind of not part of our thinking and part of our culture. I just, I am a millennial by about six months. I kind of creep into that category. But um, it's, I think, through our wondering, our wondering about things and our wand, one, one. Through our wondering and wondering with an O and with an A, through our wondering and our thinking and our wondering and walking around, we need something to anchor us in truth. There's just something about a great weekly rhythm, isn't there, about a Sunday. And I think sometimes if you're questioning things, if you're questioning church and you're not quite sure what you think about church, if you're questioning church or if you're questioning the whole thing, your whole faith, do you know the best place to question is here? 
This is, should be the best place for you to question this. Matt and Bria brought a fantastic thing in our pre-church meeting about coming, about when Jesus said, let the little come, children come to me. It's the children that will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I love this. Matt brought some brilliant stuff about how being childlike and being youthful um, are attributes that we can learn from. But the one that I felt God say to me, talk to me about this morning as I was just doing a bit of final prep for this, is children ask question after question after question. As a church, as Christians, may we never use that verse to shut people up. Oh, come on, come to me as little children. Don't ask questions, just come to me with faith. We shouldn't be using that verse to stop people's curiosity, to put a Christian hand over the mouth. If you're doubting this whole thing, if you're doubting your faith and you're wondering about it and you're stumbling and you're wondering and you're wondering around, please come and do it in the body of Christ. But we've got a responsibility to make people feel welcome when they're wondering and they're wondering. Do you get what I'm doing with that? An O and an A. Okay, it should be better if I had a PowerPoint, but I haven't. Um, we should be able to welcome people rather than them make them feel rebellious, like they've done something wrong, like they haven't got enough faith if they're asking the big questions. Ask the big questions as part of the gathering. I think often when we're asking the big questions and we're, we're doubting, which I think we all do, question, we wonder about things, we think about things. It's, we often think like we have to take ourselves away until we've got those things sorted. May we not create that culture here. May we say, are you doubting? Are you stumbling? Are you wondering? Are you not sure? Great. Come on in. Because again, the tent pegs are going down in the tent, the tabernacle that we are building here. I know there was a time recently, and it was even before eight o'clock in the morning, I was driving to, to work and I was listening to Professor Brian Cox on the radio. Does anyone listen to any of his stuff? He's such an interesting, clever man, and I'd absolutely love him to come to Jesus. I really would. I love what he says about the universe, how, how much he thinks. And he said, like, I, I can't prove or disprove God, so I'm not saying anything either way. So I'm like, ah, so there is a chance. So I'm praying for that guy. But he started talking about, um, he was talking about the universe and the stars. And then he said at the end, I think it's about building a meaningful life in a meaning, meaningless universe. And I was driving to work like this. Oh, my gosh, it's not even 8 o'clock in the morning. A meaningful life in a meaningless universe. And that sent me on a bit of wondering. Do you know what? I genuinely think if I hadn't been part of the body of Christ, a regular Sunday, my temp pegs going down, that could have sent me off a track that God didn't want me to go on. It's okay to think. It's okay to wonder. It's okay to learn about the universe. But there's something about the rhythm of attending on Sunday that pulled me back. It could have taken me to a really doubtful place, a real place where I thought, oh, actually, we've got it all wrong. It is all meaningless. But I needed to come here and I needed to hear the truths of God. And I needed to hear people's stories about that, how their lives have been transformed. And I needed to see people be healed and people stand up like Elaine and say, I'm cancer free and thank you so much for praying for me. I needed to hear that stuff and we need to hear that week after week to keep us on track, to keep us grounded, to keep us as disciples. Curiosity killed the cat. 
Curiosity never killed the Christian. It's good for us, isn't it, to be curious people. We don't want to whack people over the head with a Bible and say, these are the answers. We want to be creating a place where people can be curious and where people can come and attend on a Sunday and be part of the body of Christ while still thinking all of their thoughts. I think our church will grow the more we open up the doors to curiosity. Curiosity killed the cat, not the Christian. We must create a culture and a space where people feel free to ask the questions. So, Anne. Where's Anne Winslade? Anne's going to come up. She's going to give us a couple of minutes on her journey with church and how being an attender, being part of the Sunday gathering has really helped her as a disciple. Um, The first few minutes of what Joe said kind of pinched half of what I was going to say. (laughs) No, it's fine. Um, I mean, I've been going to church since I was a week old, literally. I was born on a Sunday, and the following Sunday, my parents took me to church. Um, And over the last 45 years, I'll be honest, it's not always been a positive experience. Um, Yeah, I remember in in my teens being part of the youth, and that was absolutely great. But then I had little kids, and I had that battle of um, at least trying to turn up to church looking respectable with three under fives in tow, and that was not always easy, particularly as Martin worked shifts, so I was often on my own. And then I got to a point where church was just too busy. Sundays were too busy, and I got completely burnt out. And um, that's actually why we ended up here. I had to say enough's enough, and we left that church and joined here. But since coming here, something has happened so radical in my life that now Sunday is completely my favourite day of the week. And like, I didn't really know what I was going to say this morning, but then I walked through the door. I was like, okay, God, why am I here? What is it about? What's going on? Within five minutes, several people had spoken to me, given me a hug, asked how my week was going. We then prayed together, and that was just great. Then I was able to talk to one of the young people about some problems they were going through, and and I was able to say, look, I'm here for you. I'll pray for you. And then we got into the worship, and I'm just like, this is what life is about. What would I be doing with my Sunday if I wasn't here? I'd be probably still laid in bed right now, to be honest. And, And church just becomes everything it's like this even when there's been real big struggles in my life and and as Joe said I don't always want to get up and go to church but it's almost like there's this need inside of me that if I don't get there then I know that my Sunday isn't right it's not as it should be and there have often been it's been at those times often when I've come in and felt like that but then gone away thinking yeah, God, you knew, you knew I had to be here because somebody said something to me or the worship was amazing or, or part of the word or whatever. And that's when I go home and I'm like, that is what commitment is all about. And I've persevered. I, I'll be, you know, I'm, I've been through some really tough times with church. I've been too involved with church politics, church leadership. And there have been times when I could have really given up but I didn't, and I persevered, and, and you know, God honours that. God, God honours you turning up every single week, however you're feeling. It's not about how you're feeling. It's about turning up for him, and then I'll just have a proud mum moment when you can see your daughter going off and launching a youth ministry somewhere else, and you just think, yeah, That perseverance was well worth it because she's seen what church is about. She's had people support her 
all her life who have cheered her on, who have been right behind her. And now I know that, Alice, you're going to impact young people in an amazing way, and I'm so proud of you. And so thank you, church, even though we've only been here a couple of years. I know how much you've supported Alice, and I just want to say thank you for that. The church, the body of Christ, I believe it is generally God's number one mechanism for gathering his people. We see it throughout scripture, Old Testament to New Testament, from Jewish scriptures to the scriptures that we know now in the New Testament. We see it from where the Jews, they used to meet in the Hebrew people, they would meet in a tabernacle. They meet regularly. They met regularly. They did pilgrimages together regularly. There was a rhythm to their devotional life. And I think there's a tendency over the last, I think probably a tendency throughout the beginning of time to go off and do it on your own because it's inconvenient, because it doesn't fit in necessarily with your way of doing things. But like Ben talked about earlier, doing stuff on your own ends up as quite a heavy burden. That's not how we're designed to do it. We're designed to be all in and to be part of the body of Christ. So the Hebrews text goes on to say, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. I love the idea that as we gather together, that we're stirring one another up to love and to good works. When we gather together, we should be challenging one another, provoking, inspiring each other to love one another and to live for Jesus. And as we do this, it does bring a measure of accountability into our lives. The word consider implies that we need to be intentional about gathering together. It needs to be an intentional thing. If we put it, if it becomes part of our life, if it becomes a discipline, then we then it gets rooted into what we do every day, day in, day out, week in and week out, because it doesn't happen automatically. We need to think through how we can contribute to growing this grace-filled, loved, drenched community of people called the church. In other words, let's not just drift aimlessly into a meeting. Let's come on a mission. Let's look out for somebody that's in need. Like Anne said, she was able to receive encouragement from a few people, but give it to people. We don't want to come in with a consumer mentality. We're on a mission the moment we walk through the doors, and then we get commissioned, and then we're on a mission the moment we walk out of the doors. If you want to know how to love people well, I think the best place to do it is in the local church, in the body of Christ. When people disagree, when people have different preferences, when some people want the worship louder and some people want it quieter, when some people want to stick to the program and people, some people want to sit and wait to see what the Spirit's going to do, there's a whole load of people with a whole load of different preferences and styles and thoughts and interpretations. But in the body of Christ, in the local church, we learn to love people well. You know this love wins phrase that's going around. It's great, love wins. And we know that love is a powerful thing. Love does win. Of course it does, but it it sounds a lot nicer than it actually is to put it into action. You know, love win, to love everybody in theory sounds great, but to actually roll up your sleeves and do it is really hard work because people can irritate you and say things that offend you and rub you up the wrong way and forget to say hello to you and all that kind of stuff, all that kind of human stuff that happens on a Sunday. It sounds nice in theory, in practice, it's hard work, but it is not about just what we can receive. We've heard that from Ben, we've heard that from Anne. It's about what we can give to. 
So, and it gives us a place of accountability. So number one, we know that God commands it. Number two, it is a place that we can be accountable. And number three, we attend because we all need encouragement. Verse 25 talks about that, stirring one another up to good work. So I'd love to invite James BT. James is just going to give us a couple of minutes on why gathering on a Sunday has been part of his journey and his discipleship. Let's welcome James. Thank you. Um, well, I'm not particularly good at relating biblical principles to life, but um, I can relate my business experiences to it. And um, in business, I do a lot of networking. Um, there's all kinds of groups, uh, ad hoc meetings, monthly stuff and weekly stuff. Um, the ad hoc meetings and the monthly ones never really work particularly well. They're great to go to. Everyone's really friendly and chatty, um, but the conversations never tend to lead anywhere. Um, we never get to do any good business together. But the networking groups that work really well are the ones that I go to every week. Um, and everyone else in the group makes a commitment to go every week. We build brilliant relationships. We learn about each other. We learn to trust each other, to rely on each other. We're there every week, so we know we, we can depend on each other. And I've, done, I've sold countless cars to people who are in those sort of groups. Um, they've helped me in business as well, um, so I've bought a lot of products and s services off them. Um, it's, so that's, that's how I look at church. Um, everyone here is um, so compassionate, um, friendly, generous. Um, they, they always, well, there's so many here, people who, who care about what happens in my working week um, and what's going on in my life. And I know that if I'm not there every week, it makes it really hard for them to do that. Um, so being here, I get an awful lot more from church by being here every week, and it's really important to me. Thanks, James. That's brilliant. Thank you, James. I love it. It's great to have great business men and women in our location. We're really proud of that. But the gathered church becomes then the scattered church. We come here, God breathes on us, we get commissioned and then we're going out into our workplace. So wherever you're going to find yourself tomorrow, whether you're crunching numbers at a desk, you're at the school gate, you're in the boardroom, whatever it is you're doing tomorrow, I believe that the blueprint that God's put in in place is that as we gather together, we're better in all, we're better as we scatter. So I'd love to read just this far. I'm just going to finish with this quote. It's from a writer called Jamie Smith, and he's written a great book called You Are What You Love. And it says this, We are shaped all the time by media and people and culture. But if our primary calling is to be shaped by heaven, so then we can go and shape earth, we need to form habits that allow our hearts to be shaped towards heaven. We want to be people who are shaped by heaven so then we can go and impact earth Monday through to Sunday. So corporate worship on a regular basis is part of this, as is fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Let's not neglect the local church. So you're here today. You're here on Sunday. So you, um, I'm sure you get this message, but it's part of our All In series that we are attenders. That's an important part of who we are at Alive as being part of the gathered church so then we can go and make an impact where we are. There's Connect, uh, Ben, I'm going to hand over to you in a minute. Do you want to come up? Um, connect groups on, no, come up now. Connect groups on, are starting throughout this week. Tell us a bit about your connect group and how you love being in a connect group because we're going to talk about connect groups next week. 
fab. I've been part of a connect group um, ever since I came out of the womb. Um, and I love them. I love uh, some of the stuff that James was talking about, actually, about that, that weekly rhythm um, is true very much of connect groups. Um, Sunday, there's a weekly rhythm and we get worship, we get word, we get those relationships. But um, what I found with connect groups is that you can go a little bit deeper. You understand people on a more personal level. You get that chance and that opportunity uh, to speak to people and really get to grips with what they're wrestling with in life. Um, And that's what we love about our Connect group. We've got some great people um, and we just get to pray with each other. We get to go through the stuff that um, we talk about on a Sunday and we get to dig a little bit deeper in in terms of what that means in our life. Um, But the most important thing for me is that we can just be with each other, pray with each other, um, and every now and then I get to, you know, share a little poem or something with uh, my Connect group that I've been um, working on. So that's great. Such a creative. I love it. So if you are um, thinking about joining Connect Group, you're not in one yet, do go and see Sue and James on the Connect desk. They can connect you with a Connect Group this week or they can take your details and we will get in touch with you. But we're going to do a big push on We Are Connected next week, which is looking at Connect Group. So that will be next week. Ben, do you want to pray for us to finish our service? Sorry, you're like up, down, up, down. I just like having you up here. You're a good lad. Let's give Joe a massive round of applause. That was... Amazing. Joe, you're always great. Um, But some genuine, compelling reasons why church, um, you know, we believe in it. We genuinely think it is is the hope and the future. Um, So, Father God, I thank you so much. Thank you that we've been able to be here. Thank you for all of those things that Joe's brought today, that that's been reality in our lives today. I pray that we leave feeling bigger, feeling bolder, feeling better than we came in. Um, Be with us this week. um, And, yeah, we we pray for every single person um, that they have an amazing week. Jesus' name. Great. Don't rush off, guys. Um, Stick around. Have a drink. Um, 